Uh, if you have God's word, I want to invite you to turn to Exodus chapter 19. And in just a little bit, we're going to get uh, there and to verse one, actually begin in verse one, a little bit of a lengthy text. And we're going to read down through some of that. But so we go to Exodus chapter 19, looking at verse one in just a little bit. Before I do that, though, I want to ask the question. I mean, this being, of course, Pentecost Sunday and, and the idea of, of Pentecost is that God breaks open human history and he he makes himself known and and he pours himself out on his people. I want us to just ask the question or ponder the question. You don't have to answer it out loud, but just in your mind's eye right now, the question is, when did you experience God the most? I mean, think about that. Maybe it was a moment when God just moved your heart and you were just, you know, maybe bowing your head in awe and your eyes were filled with tears. Or or maybe it was more, you know, spectacular and more glorious and you were experiencing the Shekinah glory in, in a presence of, a, of maybe a big service. And, and maybe it was that moment when you prayed and you said, Jesus, I believe in you and I want you to come into my heart and I want to begin to walk with you. And, and, and I don't know when the, that was in your life, but I want us to take a moment and think back about that that time when you experienced God most in that moment. I mean, where were you at? Were you in a service? Maybe you were on a hike in the mountains and you sat down on a rock and you just felt the presence of God in, in creation. I mean, that's possible. Maybe it's when you're having family devotions or you're praying with your spouse and, and the Lord just came upon you because you've been wrestling with some difficult issues. When did you experience God most in your life? As we've already alluded to in our service today, by definition, Pentecost is the Christian festival celebrating the descent of the Holy Spirit on the disciples, which essentially, of course, launches the New Testament church. But but there there is some confusion about that day. Some see it as this bestowment of special gifts. Some look at the day of Pentecost as the ultimate example of an evangelistic event. And, you know, 3,000 are added, you know, to their number. And there, there, there were 3,000 added to their number. Some people see Pentecost as, as fulfilled prophecy. And it's probably, you know, all of those, you know, together added. But I, I want to look at some things that will help us understand it a little bit better, uh, understand it more. And, and that's within the context of, of some reality or in the context of some facts and, and the first one is, and I want to share a few with you this morning as we, we walk together, but the first one is this, is that the, the day of Pentecost was all within the story of God. Think about that for a moment. Pentecost happened all within the story of God, and, and you remember the story of God as he makes himself present as he hovers over the water in the beginning of creation, as the Spirit of God hovers over the void and the waters, and he begins to create, he begins to speak things into order. And, and then in the story of God, remember the Spirit that caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep. And, and then, of course, his helpmate is created, and woman is made. And remember, in the story of God, the Spirit that shows Abraham, the ram that is caught in the thicket. And I don't think that's an accident, but, you know, there was this scenario, and there was the obedience of, of Abraham, and then he, you know, he sees the ram caught in the thicket and and then we remember the spirit that descends down upon the tent of Moses in the the sense of a smoke or a presence and there was the presence of God and Moses moves into the the presence of God in the the tent of prayer and you imagine that as the spirit of God again encounters man and pours himself out upon man and then we remember the spirit that comes down upon Mary and the result of that is this virgin birth 
And God becomes flesh, Emmanuel, Jesus Christ. And then Jesus begins his ministry and he lives among us and he shows us how to live and he loves us. And then ultimately, Jesus Christ and the story of God. Remember, all in the context of the story of God, Jesus allows himself, according to God's plan, to be crucified. And then he is resurrected from the dead. And then he gives us more explicitly Direction in regards to the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter one, beginning at verse eight, if you have or verse four, actually Acts chapter one, looking at verse four. And we begin to read there in Acts chapter one, verse four. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about for John baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with what? You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then he gives us the promise there in verse eight. We jump to verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will receive power so that you might live life. You will receive power so that you will experience God fully. You will receive this power so that 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 we might be fulfilled, not only in this life, but the life to come. And we will receive this power. You see, this is the promise. And then there is this purpose with the promise that he gives us. And part of the purpose of the promise, he says right here in verse eight, or we read here in verse eight. And then you will with this power, then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then it just kind of just goes full force at this point. And then comes the day of Pentecost, which we are recognizing this morning. Now, there are some things, some things that we know, and here's what we know. We know that Jesus' ministry depended upon the Holy Spirit And that's why the Holy Spirit comes to him at his baptism. We know this. We know this ministry depended upon the Holy Spirit. We know this. We know that that the disciples depended upon the Holy Spirit and needs the Holy Spirit that they might fulfill God's plan for their life and their ministry. And we see that unfold as we read about their lives and their their the history of of how ministry happens in the New Testament. Testament churches launched. And so we know this, that they depended upon the Holy Spirit. We know uh, we know that they got a kind of a taste of the Holy Spirit in John chapter 20. And then later on, on the day of Pentecost, that we're recognizing this morning that the Holy Spirit would come upon the disciples and they would have the Holy Spirit then permanently in their lives so that they might live out, you know, God's plan for mankind. And again, all of this is within God's story coming to us in the Holy Spirit. So that's the first one. The second idea is this is all within the normal way, the normal way that God works. I mean, think about that for a moment. So Pentecost happens, you know, uh, obviously um, it happens within the story of God, but that also happens within the normal way that God works. Again, I mentioned God breaking open human history, and this is exactly what he is doing again as the Holy Spirit comes down upon the disciples. And this is God that is coming to his his children, God that is coming to his people. And this, again, is within the normal way that God works. And in fact, go to Exodus now to our text in Exodus chapter 19. And we're going to begin at, at verse one. And I invite you just to hang in there because we have a, a little bit to go through here. Exodus chapter 19, looking at verse one on the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt. And of course, they had been in captivity 
and they'd been, you know, set free from their slavery or God had delivered them more accurately. And and you can imagine and all the things that had happened. I mean, the supernatural things that they experienced and all the plagues and and how, you know, possibly and maybe this is not the right word, but how spiritually maybe, you know, they were traumatized. And th- there was this this tremendous emotion This tremendous emotion because God had been intimately involved in his people and the deliverance of his people from Egyptian captivity. And and, and we read here on that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Raphidim, they entered the desert. I, I wonder if you've ever felt that way. I mean, after going through some spiritual, you know, high point in life, maybe it was a Thursday night at camp. Or maybe it was that moment that you sat on a rock in the in, in, in the mountains and you experienced the presence of God and you experienced his power in your life. And, and you were just kind of walking with God. It's been good. And then you find yourself in the desert. And you're wondering how long you're going to be in the spiritual desert. And you're you're wondering how long you're going to have to live this life where you're spiritually parched and you're you're hungry and you're thirsting for the presence of God and the holiness of God and the power of God in your life. And you're just like this empty vessel that has been created by God for God. And you're waiting for God to fill this vessel And you're in the desert and you're just saying, Lord, how long do I have to be in the desert? I wonder if you've ever felt that way. They were there in the desert of Sinai. And Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. And and that's key that they they had experienced all this work of God in their life as God's people. And now they are there in front of the mountain, the mountain of the Lord, just there in his presence. Then Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you'll be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you'll be for me a kingdom of priests. And a holy nation, that's full right there. A kingdom of priests and a holy nation, church. These are the words that you are to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together. We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. Verse 9. The Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. And then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. And the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day. Because on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in sight of all the people. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not approach the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain is to be put to death. They are to be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on them. No person or animal shall be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast may they approach the mountain. After Moses had gone down the mountain to the people, he consecrated them and they washed their clothes. Then he said to the people, prepare yourselves for the third day. Abstain from sexual relations. 
On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled when then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a, a furnace and the whole mountain trembled violently. And I, I imagine this meteorological event as, as God descends in fire, the flashes of yellow and the lightning, the cauldron of dark and light smoke that's swirling together and the, the mountain that is vibrantly shaken. I mean, oh, what an image this gives us. Of the presence and the mightiness and the power of God. The mountain trembled violently as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. Precious Father in heaven, I thank you for the word today. And I I thank you for your holy presence. And I, I thank you that you are a God that comes to his people. I thank you that you are a God that is not distant and, and a God that is, Lord, not involved in our lives. But you are a God that is intimate and you're a God that cares and you're a God that, that knows every detail. And so, Father in heaven, humbly we just come before you this morning on this Pentecost Sunday and we are reminded of your presence. We're reminded of your holiness and your righteousness and we're reminded, Lord, humbly of your power this morning. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray that, Lord, as we stand here and sit here on this mountain, that, Lord, that we would hear your voice and that we'd be humbled, Father. So, Lord, I thank you for your word this morning, what you're saying to us, how you're moving our heart. Lord, we trust you. We pray all these things in Jesus Christ's glorious name. Amen. Now, remember, I mean, we're reading this. I mean, this is a pretty long text. I mean, what imagery, man, wow, that this gives us. And remember, this is the way that God works. That what we, that's what we said just a little bit ago, that this, this is how God works. And he, he is a God that comes to his people as he does here, as he does when he becomes flesh, as he does when he comes as tongues of fire and he rests upon his disciples, as he does on the day of Pentecost. And they experience the spirit of God because God is a God that comes to his people. And sometimes it's in a voice, even the voice that I'm using this morning or or a voice that you hear of of somebody else that are teaching the word of God. And and they are speaking and there is the presence of God and God is is telling you something or maybe it's in the the fire that burns. It's not consuming, but it's burning or maybe in the law of the tablets or the power of the Holy Spirit. And maybe it's in the smoke that God comes to us. But certainly it's in the voices of his children. It's in your voice and my voice as we talk about our God in heaven because he is a God. I believe this, that he is a God that comes to his people. And the fact is, God still comes with purpose in spirit and in truth. So when we ask the question, I mean, look at the front of the bulletin for a moment. When we ask the question, I mean, what really did happen on the day of Pentecost? We have to say it this way. I mean, as simple as it sounds, God came to man in the Holy Spirit. God comes to man and in the Holy Spirit, then then we are enabled to to complete what it is that God desires us to complete through the power of the Holy Spirit. And what we're able to complete through the power of the Holy Spirit is really twofold. We, We are to glorify God. So here's the promise of the Holy Spirit, that we are going to be enabled by the power of the Holy Spirit to glorify God. We can glorify God in our lives to glorify God as we are witnesses and 
as we give our testimony and as we talk about our walk with God and we tell our story, how God has encountered you know, and been a part of our life. And so we're able to glorify God and maybe in our work and maybe in our song and our worship. But you see, the Holy Spirit gives us power to glorify him. That's the first thing. The second thing is the Holy Spirit promises that 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 he enables us to fulfill God's plan for mankind. And that plan, of course, is to bring glory to God and to bring the message or share the message of Christ in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to all parts of the earth. And so we now we have the mission. This is, of course, this is this is the reach part of of our calling that we are sharing the mission of, of God and the message, the story of Christ. And so the Holy Spirit empowers us to fill his plan. And we cannot do that without the Holy Spirit. I mean, we can do a lot of stuff. I mean, we can have a lot of programs and we can do a lot of planning. We can give a lot of money. But church, we cannot accomplish and we cannot do what only the Holy Spirit can do. You believe that this morning? Say amen. And notice in the context of Pentecost, when Jesus tells his disciples to go up and tarry in Jerusalem. And if you've ever been to Israel, that is an uphill drive. There is a highway and it is uphill. It's up the mountain. And so go up to Jerusalem and you will tarry there until the spirit is to come upon you. And that's not unlike the text that we read just a moment ago, the older text in the book of Exodus. And in the older text, we look in verse three, go to verse three there in Exodus chapter 19. Look at verse three and we read Moses went up to the Lord and called to him. So Moses goes up to the mountain. I'm wondering, Mission Church, is it time for us to go up to the mountain? Is it time for us to really, I mean, really go up to the mountain? And, and I'm not going to try to define that or put a, a point on that, what that means for you to go up to the mountain. And maybe it's a spirit of brokenness and maybe it's repenting because of some sin in your life. Or maybe it's just having, you know, a desire, a hunger for God to fill you with this Holy Spirit. I mean, it would be okay if on the day of Pentecost, this Sunday, that, that the Holy Spirit would pour himself out upon us. Wouldn't that be okay? And maybe as we look at this passage, verse 3, Moses, he went up to the mountain. So notice there is God's part, and we see this in the story of God, that he pours himself out. He is God that is coming to man again and again and again and again. God is consistent, but so oftentimes we are not. Moses went up to the mountain. He went to God and maybe it's time that we come to God. It's the time that we come to the mountain or go to the mountain and say, God, whatever it is you have for us. And then we go to verse eight of our our older text in Exodus. Go to verse eight. We read here that the people and I love this. The people all responded to the Lord. What? They all responded to the Lord together. They all responded to the Lord in a spirit of unity And they came together and I understand there's a lot of ideas and we have a lot of minds that are great here and and a lot of different thinking and different opinions. I understand that. But man, I believe that we can come together, Mission Church, on this desire of hungering and thirsting for the righteousness of God. I believe that we can come together and hungering for his presence and praying for his Holy Spirit to have his way in our lives and our ministry. Amen. And so we recognize that all of this, it makes no difference until we look at the third idea I have here. 
and that this is all within recognizing. Now, hang on. This is all within recognizing that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Jesus Christ is the head of the church, and we know that the the Father confirms it. Our Father in Heaven confirms it in His story again and again as He makes Himself present to man and in our life. And and then we know that, uh, of course, good kings recognize it as they recognize who God was, and they made that decision to lead the nation of Israel back to God. And and then we have, of course, Pentecost Sunday where the Holy Spirit comes and seals it because, you see, it's really the culmination of all all of Jesus Christ's ministry, and we recognize that. And, the, and Moses, he, he shows us this when he takes off the sandals in front of the burning bush, that God is the head of the church. And, and whether we've caught or not church, we are called to this. We are called to make Jesus Christ the head of the church. The head of the church is Christ. Christ is the head of our church. What am I saying is this does not mean that Jesus is working with us. This does, does, does not mean that Jesus is beside us. This does not mean that Jesus has a, an important place on the church board. <laughs> Jesus is not just an important voice. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ is the voice. Because Jesus is the head of the church. He is, he is the most important voice. And it's a pretty good plan. Because you, could you imagine if, if you were the head of the church? Can you imagine how things would go if you were in charge, what the church would look like? But yet we try this sometime because we we forget our theology and our theology fails to inform our methodology. And so we get committed to our methodology and then we start focusing on what you like or what you prefer or what you want. And the fact is, if I was the head of the church, I wouldn't like me either. I would probably crucify myself. And oh, by the way, Jesus calls us to crucify ourselves. I mean, if Jesus is the head of the church and we see in this old text that there is the mountain of the Lord and there's this boundary and they're not to pass the boundary and touch the mountain. And there's this holiness and this righteousness about God. And I imagine the people bowing and saying, oh, Father in heaven, I worship you. You are the head of the church and I respond to you, not to anybody else. But, oh, God, I want your presence. I want your will, not my will, but I want your will. If Jesus were the head of the church. We as a church would say, Jesus, you are our head, not what I prefer, not what I want, not what I desire. But we'd be listening to say, Jesus, I want your will for our church and for our ministry. And and by the way, we get caught up sometimes and thinking, you know, Lord, I really, 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 really. I mean, I really want you to bless what I'm doing. You know, we get really spiritual and we say, I really, really want you to bless what I'm doing because I really want to be spiritual. We do that sometimes. Or, Lord, I I really want you to make me feel better. (laughs) I want you to make me feel better about things, God. But the interesting thing about this. Is whenever I, I, I humbly, I, I experience a moment because of God and His mercy and His grace, and I experience a moment where Christ is the head of my life, 
I usually hear his voice and then I usually am called to something that makes me not feel good, but make me uncomfortable. Oftentimes it's hearing his voice and I'm called to something that's stretching me. I'm called to something that's that's really challenging me. I'm called to something that is out of my normal thought process or thinking. And it's requiring a paradigm shift in my mind because it's asking me to do something that I've never done before in a way I've never done it. Because, you see, I really do care about that person that does not know Jesus more than I do about me feeling Better. If Jesus Christ were head of the church, church, what would that mean and how would that affect our decision making? If Christ were the head of the church, you see, that's what the the day of Pentecost is really about. It's about the fact that there's this now established and the sealed by the Holy Spirit thing that Jesus Christ is the head of our church. I'll never forget my freshman year at Northwest Nazarene College, now university, Northwest Nazarene College. And I was a freshman. I was in the freshman dorm living there. Chapman Hall is the name of it. And uh, Dr. Stephen Manley came to preach revival for the college. How many know Stephen Manley? Dr. Stephen Manley, uh, kind of a evangelist revivalist. And he came and he preached for a week. And folks, I'm telling you what, it's almost been a reference point my entire 30 years of ministry. I come to that point in regards to renewal and and, uh, revival, a spirit of refreshment, because during that seven day period that Stephen Manley is there preaching at Northwest Nazarene College, the Holy Spirit poured himself out upon us and a revival began to break out, break out, excuse me, revival began to break out. And you know how it started? You know what really got, I mean, really made the the doors fly open and the spirit pour out and get the ball rolling. There was a young man that was in our dorm, Chapman Hall. Can't remember which floor he is on, but he was a young man in our dorm. He had come to NNC because he had kind of been forced to come. He was one of those kids that, you know, had a lot of issues and a lot of bad decision making. And so obviously the the. The people involved in his life, whether his parents or grandparents or whomever, they kind of forced him to go to to come to Northwest Nazarene College. And so he was there kind of begrudgingly and he was, you know, going through the experience, but yet spending most of his time in his dorm room. Very bitter, very hateful, very angry. And, and, you know, he, he really didn't want to be social, and so we didn't push ourselves on him. But during revival, something happened to this young man. He went to the altar there at College Church, and, and, and I'm not sure who ended up praying with him. It might have been Dr. Manley. And, but he, anyways, he prayed, and he had this, this moment, this come to God, come to Jesus moment, and he repented of his sin. And he went back to the dorm room, and one of the things about this guy is he had like one whole wall Covered with records back in the time where there were records. Yeah, he, he had like 5,000. And behind Chapman Hall there, there was a, a 50-gallon barrel drum that was a burn drum, a burn barrel. And 
And he began, without saying anything, without any fanfare, he began to carry armloads of records to the burn barrel because he was really into acid rock, heavy, heavy, heavy stuff. And the Holy Spirit convicted him about this issue in his life that was causing all this hate and all this anger. And he took an armload of records and put it in the barrel and squirted a lighter fluid and he lit those on fire. And, and the records, they're plastic, they burn black. He got another armload. He got another armload, had maybe a quarter of them out there. The barrel was full. It burned all night long, black. The next day, he brought some more records out, and he continued this process. And guess what happened? We had another service, and the Spirit began to move. And other, other young men began to bring things to the barrel that were not holy, that did not please God, and they threw those things in the barrel. And you can imagine what college kids had in the room. And they put those in the barrel and they burned that and then other kids and then pretty soon some gals and females. And pretty soon it was on the front page of the paper that that revival broke out at Northwest Nazarene College. The spirit had poured out upon that campus and God moved in a mighty way upon that campus. And it began because this one man was willing to break before the Lord and say, God, I need your spirit in my life. I don't know what the Lord is trying to say to us this morning or how God is speaking to you in your heart. But I know this, that he wants to pour his spirit out upon you. He wants you to feel his power in his presence. And as we read this text, it's not just a, a text or a story that happened in the past. But God is a God that comes to his people. And I believe this this morning that God wants to come to us this morning. He wants to come to your heart. He wants to speak to your heart right now. And he wants to come to us. And I want to invite us just to hear God's voice. Let's do that. Let's stand together. And I want to invite us just to come and just kneel if the Lord has laid something on your heart and something that you're saying, Lord, I just want to I want to just bring this to you. I want to honor you, God. I want to hear your voice and nobody's going to bother you or touch you or or, or say anything. We just want to come and kneel. And, and so believers and church members, I want to invite us to come and just ask for the Holy Spirit to be poured out upon Mission Church, to be poured out upon our future, to be poured out on not just our plans. Oh, God, bless my plans, but his plans. Amen. I want to invite us today on this day of Pentecost that we would come and we would seek the presence of the Lord in our life. Amen. Let's do that. Let's do that. Just come. Just come as the Holy Spirit leads you. And let's just come and bow and let's seek the Lord this morning. And let's pray, Lord, I want your presence in my life. I want to hear your voice. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know how you want to stir my heart, Lord. But God, I'm going to come. I'm going to bow before you. I want to hear your voice, Lord. I want to experience your Holy Spirit once again, like you poured your spirit out that many years years ago and have done through history, you poured your spirit out over and over again. And so, Lord, we're going to pray and we're going to pray and ask, Lord, for you to just pour your spirit out upon that one individual right now. Our heads are bowed. Our, Our eyes are closed and we're just seeking the Lord right now. We're seeking, Lord, your Holy Spirit in our life. We're we're seeking, Lord, your control. Lord, and maybe for some of us, it's just simply giving you permission to have control of our life. Asking your Holy Spirit to, Lord, just become the priority in our life.
Maybe for some of us, it's saying, Lord, you know what I'm struggling with. I want to just, I want to ask for your help. And Lord, so I ask for your help to help me right now. Lord, I ask for your Holy Spirit to help me. Lord Jesus, I need you. I desire your presence. I seek your holiness. Lord, I want your goodness in life this morning, right now. Our heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. We're praying for the Holy Spirit to be present this morning. To be present in our church. That God will be glorified in it. And maybe with your head bowed and eyes closed, the Lord is just stirring your heart right there where you're sitting. And you're hungering for the holiness of God, the presence of God in your heart right now. I just want to invite you, just take a moment, just lift your hand right there where you're at. Say, Lord, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Many of us, Lord, I'm desiring the Holy Spirit. Somebody else, God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father in heaven, we come here today, and Lord, we are, we are inadequate without you. Lord, we need your presence. We need your holiness. We need your goodness. We need, Lord, your Holy Spirit and the power of your Spirit in our life, in our heart, in our church, that we might be, Lord, the missional church that you've called us to. Father in heaven, Lord, I, I don't know how... You want to surprise us, but Father, I pray that you would surprise that one this morning, that you would pour your spirit out upon that one. And Lord, I know it only takes one. So, Lord, I just pray that your spirit would be known and your spirit would just touch that one this morning that is just seeking you and they're calling out to you and saying, Lord, I need your presence in my life. Lord Jesus, we worship you today. We thank you, God, for speaking to our hearts. We thank you, Lord, for the reminder that, Lord, that you come to your people, that you send your spirit to your people. I pray for the one that is that is a skeptic this morning, the one that is thinking, well, that was a different time. They wrote in a different way. I pray that you would surprise that one. I pray for the one that maybe has not really ever put their trust in you, that they would find themselves trusting you this morning. And they're saying, Jesus, I choose you. I choose you, Jesus. I I pray, Father, for the one this morning, and I don't take this lightly, for the one that needs a miracle in their life. As Kelly was sharing, our worship leader was sharing that, that God had healed her in did a miracle in their life. I pray, Father, for that one right now that that realizes that if this is going to happen, if there's going to be a breakthrough, if there's going to be a change, it has to be a miracle. And I ask, Father, right now, humbly, that you just bring that miracle to that one right now that is saying, Lord, I need a miracle in my life because you know what I'm struggling with. You know what I'm challenged by. Lord, I need a miracle in my life right now. Lord Jesus, we worship you today. We thank you, God, for hearing our prayers. We pray for your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I believe this is just the beginning of what you want to do. And so, Father, we thank you for speaking. We thank you, God, for your holiness and your goodness. We worship you, Father. In Christ's name, let's worship. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.